everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the Food and Wine Variety Show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. You know, we were off last week for Labor Day, but we're back with a jam-packed show. We're going to be talking beer, we're going to be talking breakfast and more. Uh, you know, the Rammies are next Sunday, the 20th, and uh, we have the the, the premiere Rammy Beer Program nominees with us, uh, folks from Sweetwater Tavern and Roofers Union, uh, Joe Chaneller, who's with Sweetwater out in, in uh, where are you, in Centerville, Joe? And yeah, Centerville. Blake and Aaron Amber, we're going to be talking to him, and Dave Delaplane from Roofers Union, another Rammy nominee. Uh, Indochines, Indochinese Cuisine, has folks lined up at Cameron Station in Alexandria, and we're going to have the partners on, along with Chef Ram Thapa, uh, to tell us all about why which is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't been to Famous Toastery out in Northern Virginia, you're missing something. We'll have co-founder and CEO Robert Maynard with us to tell us uh, you know, why and how a self-proclaimed better breakfast restaurant uh, has such fame. They've, got, they've, they've grown to 22 locations around the country already. And if you remember the great movie Fight Club, now there's a restaurant with a menu of the same name and food packing a similar punch. It's Fight Club. And uh, chef owner Andrew Market's going to be on with us, along with Mackenzie Conway, uh, Chef Andrew's punch director. I made that up. He's <laughs> the beverage director there. Get it? Fight for punch. We all get Nobody it. gets it. Got it. All right. Okay, so before we break in, uh, as always, we have Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets to tell us what's at market today, but I do want to tell you what's going on in and around the D.C. metro area. First of all, if your calendar is not marked for next Sunday, it is the Rammies, and they are going to be online, and everybody can watch them so we can all get dressed up and have a really good time. I'm actually going to be at the Rammies uh, presenting, so it should be an awful lot of fun. Also, don't forget there's so much going on in the DC metro area even though we are still knee-deep in a pandemic the high holidays are coming up for those of you who celebrate there are so many restaurants and so many places where you can order supplemental meals or your entire meals as a way to celebrate of course back to school is completely different this year and you still have to feed the kids so whether it's breakfast lunch or dinner or your whole family so many area restaurants are looking at fun ways to make it easier for you all of that is obviously on the list are you on it.com you can check it out in the buzz column and believe it or not restaurants are opening every day. We have a whole opening section featuring the latest and greatest. And check out the events calendar because between cocktail classes and virtual happenings, they're all there. And there's so many ways for you to entertain yourself, even if you're still staying home. All right. So I mentioned at the top of the show that we've got uh, representatives of two Rammy Beer Program no, no, no. of the Year nominees. Deb Moser. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk to Deb. Yeah, that's why but, I run this show. So but, hi, Deb. <laughs> why don't you tell us what's at market? Right hi, hi. Well, you know, it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's called what I call the intersection between summer and fall and that transition. So we still have peaches and we still have corn at the market for another week or so. And that, But the fall fruits are starting to come in. So we also have figs and we also have some apples coming in and some of the first Asian pears and pears have started to come in. So it's that really you have such a a large mix of things that you can uh, choose from. So it's 
great. Come on out to the market so you can start to pick and do a do a fig tart. You know, they're really good. Get some goat cheese, do a fig tart. They're mm-hmm. one of my fall favorites. Also, uh, next week is the high holidays, as you mentioned. We have it for you at Bethesda. Uh, we have Feeding You Kosher. If you keep kosher, they have all your holiday needs there. Uh, we also have chickens and eggs and briskets and at some of the other and challahs and yeah, because it's everything. really not a it's not a high holiday unless you have a brisket on the table. That's I mean, I right. That That's happens, right. But it's it. <laughs> and and my family's always really interested in how I can do an entire meal from the farm market. It can be done. It's wonderful. The vegetables are fresh. The meat's fresh. The eggs are fresh. The challahs fresh. So I always say, make it a farm market holiday. Well, you also, you guys messed up my, 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 uh, my segue, because what I was going to say is, even though we've got Sweetwater and Roofers Union on, you can get beer at the farmer's market and football starts next week. So transitioning to fall. And that was my segue. I just wanted to clear that up for all my fans out there. You're you're fine, David. All three of them. Tell them nobody cares. Oh, everybody cares. Nobody. All the beer guys are smiling. We care if you come to the farm market. So uh, check us out at centralfarmmarkets.com. We'd love to have you come out and see you soon. Excellent. Thanks, Deb. Have a good holiday. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Now, where was I? I was talking about having two Rammy nominees for Beer Program of the Year on the show. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk to Rupert's Union, Dave, uh, Rupert's Unions, excuse me, Dave Delaplane, who's the GM and beer director there. But right now, we have the three beer dudes from Sweetwater Tavern. Joe Chaneller is with us. He's at Sweetwater in Centerville. John Blake is at Merrifield. And Aaron Emery's at Sterling. And guys, first of all, Congratulations on your nomination. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having awesome. us. Yeah, great to so, be here. Who wants to tell us, of the three of you, a little bit about Sweetwater Tavern? I don't know where to look. Who, who's going to talk to us? Well, I'm the head brewer. I'll start talking. My name's Joe, and uh, I'm at Centerville. But uh, we have all three brewers. We have all three breweries. And uh, every season, there's something fun coming up and something new. You know, uh, Aaron loves the Oktoberfest lager. And I just had my pumpkin ale yesterday. And it's that season. It's that time for, you know, spicy pumpkin beers. So I was toasting seeds for a little rim spice the other day. But we all brew our own take on what we really enjoy, classic lagers and ales. And uh, we just try to make people happy. And Really, the question is, what is your type of beer? What do you like to drink? And that's what we try to get for you. So the Merrifield Sweetwater is my go-to for lunch. My office is in Annandale. And I've had, I guess, five or ten different, you know, I love to try the beers there. But, you know, talk to me about what, you know, what your favorites are for the season. Because there's kind of a range. I mean, everybody's got pumpkin-flavored something which is the one thing I really don't go for. <laughs> but I'm sort of, I like a, you know, a hoppy amber or something like that. Talk to us about the range of beers. How many different beers are there at Sweetwater Tavern? Uh, well, John, yeah, you would say, uh, yeah, I would say over at Merrifield would be the stamping ground. So what would you go with? Um, well, I would say at Merrifield right now, um, my personal favorite is the Painted Lady Lager. Um, uh, I kind of come into, into, into lagers um, when I, when I first started working for Great American Restaurant Sweetwater Tavern, hadn't brewed them that much before in my um, previous positions. Um, but I think we really do lagers very, very well at Sweetwater. And uh, right now, Painted Lady is my favorite. It's a, it's a Vienna lager. It's um, dark, smooth, um, just uh, very drinkable, um, good, good and malty. And um, Aaron, how many beers are you doing at your location? 
Yeah, we have 10 on tap right now. And I know, Nikki, you're a you're a fan of summer and I'm a fall guy, actually. Okay. So the yeah, I'm the summer. The, I like the summer. The Look temper at is change, the temperature summer. is changing. I feel the crispness in the air right now, so I'm getting excited for it. Um, okay. Oktoberfest Lager, which, which we have on tap right now, is a German Marzen. Marzen means March in German. So there's kind of a weird explanation be, behind that, why they're on tap in the fall. We don't have time to get into it. Uh, but I think that's the quintessential fall beer for me. Very smooth, clean, easy to drink. I often say it's a it's a loaf of bread in a in a glass. And so for me, uh, and you were talking about liking breads earlier, so that's a great thing. Uh, yeah, but there's a, there's a Christmas to Marlins. Yeah, really I love special. I love all the fall beers. You know, we've got pumpkin ale on tap at at least one location right now, and that's coming up everywhere soon. And then we go into Christmas ales and all those kinds of things. So for me, fall beer is where it's at. Well, so how do you all work together? You have three locations. You each get to brew at your location, but how do you all collaborate, collaborate together? We have meetings. We have get together and taste, and uh, all of our restaurant employees look at us with envy while we're sitting there all day <laughs> at a table. But uh, we're hop addicts, I would say. If you've been a brewer for a long enough period of time, I have my Buffalo Tooth uh, Double IPA on tap right now. It's just you know Centennial Columbus. Uh, beautiful hops and we get together and decide how we can beat each other, how we can improve on our beers and we compete to see who gets to send their beer to great American beer festival. And we really just kind of rip each other pieces sometimes and say, Hey, I like my beer better than yours. And I'm going to tell you why. And we'll talk a little bit about just what flavors we get and how we can improve on it. And, you know, I've been brewing for 30 years. I might be the old guard a little bit or so, and then uh, Aaron has been brewing for, you know, just uh, he's about 10 years younger than me. And he's got a little bit more take on all of the whole scene that's been going on and how to stay classic. And then John is a little bit younger and he's really come out with some just new great ideas on how we can be cutting edge and how we can add and incorporate some new beers. So. Well, so, John, what does that look like? What is cutting edge in the beer world right now? Um, well, uh, that's a great question. Um, the beer world, world now done. is. I am full of great questions. <laughs> That's certainly one of them. Um, the beer world is constantly changing. Um, you know, I even as someone who's um, kind of uh, um, been around the scene a while, sometimes I feel like I'm kind of separated from it. Um, okay. I, I'm kind of like lagging behind now. Um, but I'd say now still in popularity, you know, there's the New England style IPAs. Um, we have one of those at Maryfield. Um, if, um, anyone is interested in that. Um, a uh, lot of kind of, um, we don't do really sour beers, but um, there's been a lot of kind of new takes on sour beers, especially in the United States recently. Um, so that's kind of what's going on that's cutting edge. Um, I try to bring, I guess, what I think is the best things, um, things that I think will be more than just a fad um, into the brewery. And while, you know, still holding on to some of the classics, which are- Are you throwing shade at Aaron and Joe right now? Do you think that's <laughs> what they're doing? What's happening I, I, here? Are we gonna have a brawl on the show? Well, some people want fruit juice instead of beer, and they have these fruity mixed drink beers, and then some people want it to taste like pumpkin pie, and they'll have, you know, basically eating pumpkin pie out of a beer. I just, uh, I just threw up in the back of my throat. Wait, John, real quick question about sours, because I am not a sours fan at all, and I know that they're big. Um, I'm in, on a percentage basis, how many of, the, you know, of 100% of beer customers are actually ordering sours? Because I can't imagine how that goes with food or anything else. Yeah, I, um, 
I'd say you'd be surprised. I get, you know, questions all the time from staff at, at Sweetwater um, about um, guests asking them for sour beers. And it always kind of, I always feel bad just being like, uh, it's not going to happen. You know, so I just, um, sour beers, it's just, they're not really for our program, especially at the moment. Um, they, um, they're uh, a little technically kind of difficult to brew. Um, they use different types of, um, of yeast that can get into other kinds of, uh, other kinds of beers. But um, I would say, say sours are really good with, um, with, with uh, seafood and salads. Uh, All right, listen, we have to wrap you guys up because we got to take a break and we got to get into Dave Delplane and what they're doing at Rivers Union. So very quickly, Joe, Aaron, and John, just tell us where you are, Sweetwater Tavern, please. Your Sweetwater Tavern, Joe? Yeah, I'm in Centerville, Virginia, right off 66. Aaron? I'm in Sterling, way up north in Virginia. You way are up way up north. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and John? I am at uh, Sweetwater in Merrifield. It's right at the intersection of Gallows Road and 50. Excellent. So we want to thank you all for joining us today. Good luck next week. Congratulations on your nomination. Thank you so much. Hope to hear from you. Thank you so much. That's great to be here. David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. When we come back, we're talking to Dave Delaplane. We got more beer in our future. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And we're still talking Rammies and we're still talking Beer Program of the Year nominees. We've got Dave Delaplane. He's the GM and Beer Director at Roofers Union in Adams Morgan. Dave, congratulations. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much. How are you guys it's doing? Good. It's so nice for you to join us today. Um, so congrats on your nomination. For I mean, we've had Roofers Union. You guys have been around for a while. We've had you on the show before. But tell us what's happening at Roofers Union these days. You know, in a lot of ways, we we sort of, you know, not post, but during COVID, whatever stage we are of this, right. uh, we sort of had to... <laughs> To reconceptualize, basically create a couple new concepts within the restaurant. So it's been, uh, you know, it, it's certainly been an adventure. Um, you know, what we're operating right now is we're we're open on the rooftop uh, where we have about eight tables, uh, which is way down from where we were before. Uh, we have eight tables on the rooftop and we have about five tables out front. You know, we're mm -hmm. fortunate that that we do have that rooftop option. So we've been able to, to stay away from serving inside, um, which, you know, it's it still feels uncomfortable at this point, but, um, you know, it might be in our future at some point, depending on what the data data is recommending. But for right now, we're just outside. And did Adams Morgan, Adams Morgan originally had like a streetery. Did they get rid of that or is it still there? 18th street. Cause so, it's 18th street. Yeah. Right? So it was something that we all, we all fought pretty hard to get. And then, and then we were told it wasn't happening. And then suddenly it happened. It's been, it's been uh, an adventure in itself. That's one of the many concepts we've had to open as as, as this summer's gone on. Um, we currently where it stands is we have uh, a streetery space, but the street itself is still open. Uh, well, for a while there, for for one weekend, the first weekend they actually closed the street, and it felt a little safer, and people could really get out and walk around. Uh, but it's still it's still an expansion of what we normally would have. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so let's talk about the beer program at Rivers Union, because when you guys launched, that was a real key, as were the cocktails. But I feel like this, um, you know, the nominee for your beer program really gives you guys credit for the kinds of things you're doing there. Well, you've been nominated since, what, 2017, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. We're, uh, this is our fourth year in a row being nominated, which is definitely an honor. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty exciting. We, we, we definitely take our beer program uh, uh, you know, we, we take a lot of, we have a lot of passion for beer and introducing folks to, to new styles. Uh, David, if you want to come by, I would love to, to 
to convince you to like sours somehow. Uh, I heard I heard you throwing shade at sour beers, and, and you'll, I, have uh, auto, always, you'll have to use an auto jack to open my mouth and keep it open to drink sour. But. <laughs> I, I always tell people you got to you got to give it a second sip because that first one is going to throw your mouth off. The second one, you're like, ah, all right, I can get around this. I feel like um, for beer guys like you, sours are the um, the Riesling of wine, right? Like Psalms love Riesling. And when you tell them you don't like Riesling, they're like, oh. I got a Riesling for you. And I feel like sour yeah. is the same thing in the beer world. Like if it's like a gauntlet throw, you're like, no, 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 no. I got a sour for you. No, definitely. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And it's, it, you know, it, for me, it's just, I like them because on a hot day, it can be incredibly refreshing, but they definitely can be, you know, the perfect pairing with food. A lot of, a lot of foods that, that people tend to pair with wines often will, will, if you get the right sour, it can be, can be the perfect pairing with, with a sour beer too. So let's talk about DC Brow's latest vote. Yes. I yes. Love this guys. is something I'm really excited it. about. Yeah. So tell us about the beer. So it's, it's, it, it, it kind of, it literally started. I had a, I had a dream one night and I woke up the next day and was like, you know, thinking about what I, I don't, I, the, the sad thing is I, I should have written down the dream. I don't really remember the dream, but I know I remember waking up and sort of like my brain was, working through it as I was waking up and I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta reach out to, to somebody and, and see if I can get them to make this beer. So, uh, you know, I think we're all pretty frustrated by, by a lot of stuff in the news these days. And, right. um, you know, this is back, back when post offices were getting shut down and, you know, we were all worried that we, you know, people were not even going to have the, the opportunity to vote. And that, also resonates here in DC since we don't really have the opportunity to vote. Uh, you know, we get to vote. We have one electoral college yep. vote and nothing for, for anything else. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm no political activist. I'm not, you know, I don't work in an industry where, where you really get to make a lot of statements, but the, the sort of the voting is something where I think we all can get behind the fact that everybody should be able to vote and everybody should vote. And so, you know, I reached out to DC Brow and was like, "Hey guys, uh, how would you like to to make a beer that that really kind of speaks speaks on behalf of DC and and tries to not only encourage folks in our market and in other markets to to vote um, to take this right, you know, to take the right to vote very seriously, especially this year, but also um, speak you know speak on behalf of DC and the fact that we." don't have all the all the voting rights that other people have and, and how unfair that is. Well, I mean, I love that. And those guys also did uh, during June for uh, Pride Week, they did uh, a Pride Month, they did a Pride beer. I mean, they're just, they're so, those guys. So just quickly, tell us what the beer tastes like and can we only get it at Rufus Union? No, so it is going to be coming out in cans. You'll see it starting to pop up this week. Um, they're releasing it uh, to for distribution starting uh, Monday the fourteenth. Mm -hmm. We um, we actually sat down with with Phil from BYT and did a, a whole like tasting profile and everything on the beer. Um, I'm really excited. About it. I haven't actually tried it, so um, you know, being that we're you know trying to keep our distance and stuff, it wasn't somewhere we were to sit down and in, in, in person and, and do it. So. Um, in terms of the style, it's going to be a crystal bison. So kind of think of it basically like a filtered wheat beer. Um, so a little bit cleaner than your typical wheat beer. 
Um, a little crisper should be really, really refreshing. Something we can enjoy for for the summer. I mean, sorry for the fall. Um, and and maybe knock back more than one when we get really frustrated with the news. Right. <laughs> Sounds really good. All right, Dave. Tell us where we can find Rivers Union, please. So we are in the heart of Adams Morgan on 18th Street at 2446 18th, a three-story building. But right now we're just seating the rooftop where you can make a reservation, or we have the streetery, the five tables in the streetery for first come, first serve. Excellent. Great. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for putting together that vote beer. We love that. And we wish you the best of luck at the Rammies next week. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks. Y'all be safe. All right. Well, if you live out uh, anywhere near Alexandria, uh, you probably heard of Indochine, the great uh, Indo-Chinese restaurant out at Cameron Station. And we've got one of the partners on with us, Ashok Tamang. Ashok, welcome to Foodie and the Beast. Thank you so much. Well, so Ashok, for people who are maybe not familiar with the concept, can you walk us through it a little bit? Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, Indochine is an Indian restaurant that features the Indian dishes with the Indo-Chinese dishes. Uh, uh, which is also uh, very much uh, inspired with the uh, Chinese dishes that's been adapted by the Indian, or the, the dishes that's been brought by the Chinese immigrant in the 1800s to Calcutta, and that's been uh, pretty famous since that time, and it, over the time this this has evolved. So it's kind of like very popular in most of the city uh, in India. If you go to Bombay, Delhi, Calcutta, or uh, even Chennai, you're going to get this kind of Indo-Chinese dishes uh, on a street food everywhere. So it's pretty popular. Uh, uh, the taste is uh, very different than the Chinese food. However, it's inspired from Chinese dishes. It has a, a huge influence of the Indian spices, uh, which spice up the dish in a different level. So let me, so it came from immigrants of China coming into India, but now, you know, 200 years later, the, the cuisine has sort of become its own. So for if you could sort of explain it, is it more Chinese dishes using Indian spices, spices or is or is it a true collaboration of both cuisines? Uh, most of the dishes, uh, Indo-Chinese dishes are, uh, uh, Chinese dishes are uh, used, uh, uh, cooked uh, using the Indian technique and Indian spices. That's what uh, are called Indo-Chinese. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the dishes have a very minimal changes that just needed uh, the way uh, it uh, tastes better. Some of the dishes are uh, pretty much uh, uh, spiced up with the uh, Indian technique and a lot of Indian spices, which change the whole uh, flavor and texture of the dish. So that's what makes this dish uh, very unique. So uh, I think this is a great opportunity to, to try uh, the different uh, style of Chinese dishes that's uh, been finished with the Indian uh, cooking and Indian spices. Well, your your chef, Chef Ram, is Nepalese. Um, and mm-hmm. so Nepal is literally, it sits between India and China. So I assume he grew up cooking and eating and cooking these kinds of dishes. Uh, yes, he was born and raised in Nepal. Uh, uh, he's uh, very much uh, into the cooking since uh, he was very young uh, in his uh, grandma's kitchen. And over the year when he uh, grew up and uh, uh, followed his uh, passion in the cooking, he got uh, hooked up with the uh, Indo-Chinese dishes, which is also very popular in uh, Nepal uh, in general. 
And meanwhile, he got an opportunity to work with uh, pioneer chefs uh, in Nepal. And while he's traveling in India uh, during his vacation and uh, his uh, intensive work uh, during his career, uh, he really fell in love with the Indo-Chinese dishes. So that's one of the reasons why we changed our previous uh, London Curry House into the Indo-Chinese. And so far, uh, his skill has been exposed pretty well. We have receiving very well uh, feedback from our regulars. And uh, a lot of people are uh, driving into camera stations uh, by hearing uh, about Indo-Chinese dishes. And we, we are very overwhelmed with the positive uh, feedback uh, getting in uh, such a difficult time for the restaurant industry. Sure. Well, I mean, listen, our interest is very peaked because you don't hear a lot about this style of cuisine. So um, I think, and you know, DC, the DC general market is pretty adventurous. You know, it's a very um, educated dining consumer. Don't you agree? Yes, I do. I, I think uh, DC is uh, one of the, the top uh, uh, restaurant industry uh, in the uh, States uh, beside uh, New York, San Francisco. Um, DC is uh, coming very strong, uh, and as you say, yes, the DC uh, clientele are very well educated in the food and drink, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons we do have advantage uh, where where people want to try something new uh, while they know the food more in a depth. So I think this will be this will be a good pick them to get out of the DC uh, just 15 minutes away from uh, drive uh, from the DC to Alexandria and try something new and way by the park they can just hang out after the meal uh, go on a date and walk or uh, just uh, sit down and just uh, enjoy the small pond uh, the kids playing around in the garden uh, yes Ashok I mean, I'm uh, going to interrupt you Ashok so we have to take a quick break if you'll just hold for a couple minutes we'll come back and we'll have a couple more minutes with you okay Absolutely. Okay, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. If you haven't tried this cuisine, maybe it's time. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, this is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. We're back. Uh, Ashok, let's talk about uh, Indoshen's cocktail program. I understand you're the creator of it. Does it have a special Indo-Chinese twist to it, or is it a fairly uh, traditional cocktail program? Oh, we try to uh, do the handcrafted cocktail in a house uh, that complement our uh, cuisine, uh, Indian and Indo-Chinese dishes. Uh, one of the collaboration with uh, our dishes, uh, which work with the cocktail, is like uh, Indian mango meal that complement the Indian drink. Uh, we have a very flavorful cocktail like a Chennai Express based on a rum with the pineapple, uh, honey, and lemon. We also uh, made a house special, East Manhattan. It's based on whiskey with uh, cherry liqueur and uh, sweet vermouth with bitter. And we just let it sit down in the barrel for a month before we started serving. We have an ice program in the house. Uh, we serve East uh, Barrel East Manhattan with the ice sphere that takes about 24 hours to make each pieces. Mm. So we have a plenty of a handful cocktail uh, and uh, uh, other uh, beverage options that complement uh, the cuisine we're serving. And there's plenty of choice for the guests who would like uh, beyond the cocktail. We have uh, tons of uh, beautiful collection of the wine by the glass and bottles. We have a variety of the whiskeys, rum to gin, uh, to brandy. So we, I, we try to cover every uh, kind of palate when they come down to sit uh, to our restaurant and uh, take their experience to the next level. 
hopefully the COVID will allow us to uh, bring everybody in so that they can take the full advantage of the bar program as well. Excellent. Well, Ashok, we thank you so much for joining us this morning. Tell everybody again where they can find Indochan, please. Uh, we are in the Cameron Station. Uh, this is in Alexandria um, by the beautiful uh, Cameron uh, Park. Our address is 4906 Brinman Park Drive, Alexandria, Virginia, 22304. Or uh, if you'd like to call, you, you may reach us at 703-419-3160. We'll be happy to have you. Uh, we'll, it's a great adventure uh, to try the different food with the uh, housemate uh, cocktails. Anybody is welcome. Uh, we Thank open you. Tuesday to Sunday, and we're closed on Monday. Okay, great, Ashok. Thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to going out there and dining. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, hopefully, we'll see both of you soon. Great. Thank you, Ashok. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, so now we're joined by uh, Robert Maynard. He's co-founder and CEO of Famous Toastery. If you live out in Northern Virginia, you probably had breakfast or lunch there. But there's a lot more to Famous Toastery than just those couple of uh, Northern Virginia uh, locations. Robert, welcome to the show. Tell us, first of all, give us a little bit about your background because you're not, you didn't grow up in the restaurant industry like many of our guests have. Right. Well, uh, Nikki, David, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I have a different, um, a, a kind of a different background on it. I, I got into this with a good friend of mine who I've known since I was nine years old. And I, I met him the day I moved from the Bronx to Long Island. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm going to keep fast forwarding to make this quick. And then fast forward, we went to school together. And then uh, his name is Brian Birchall, and he worked in uh, New York City, ran some of the best restaurants in New York. And I always wanted to open a restaurant. He came to Charlotte, loved it, and said, hey, I want to do a restaurant here. So we were just discussing and talking. And one day he calls me up and says, uh, hey, I, I really want to do a restaurant in, um, in the Charlotte area. There's no better breakfast here. It's really just your typical you know, greasy spoon. And he said, you want to invest in a restaurant? And I told him he's out of his mind. And uh, I said, I don't know anything about the restaurant business. I made a couple of drinks in life, but, you know, bartended, but I'm not sure about that. So the story goes, and this is a true story. He said, well, look, you don't have to get involved, but help me. Because I was in the, re I was in the real estate business back then, and I was in banking. And he said, I'm going to give you a round trip ticket, air, air flight. I'm going to give you a, 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 a rental car and a place to stay. Just help me. And 72 hours later, we had a down payment on an existing restaurant. And that was my foray into the restaurant business. Into, but, into, so uh, how did you guys come up with the concept? And how long ago was this? Give us an idea of when you launched the concept. Well, the concept was launched in 2005. It was never meant to be kind of what it is today, right? Okay, so how did um, it evolve? And remember, we only have 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's right. So he, he's worked in some of the better restaurants in New York City for many years. And when he came to Charlotte, he wanted to have a better breakfast, breakfast experience, meaning you can get an, you know, when you make, we get an avocado omelet, it's actually fresh cut avocado right out of the avocado into your omelet or corned beef hash made fresh that day for that day. We didn't see that. He didn't see that. So he wanted to create that experience, you know, at the crab rolls, lobster rolls, et cetera. We did a lot of things fresh, not out of a bag, still due to this, to this day. And that's what's made us different than everybody else. We just do everything's made that day for that day. And it's fast, quick service, considering it's casual dining. Okay. So as you've evolved since 2005, let's talk about the changes uh, to the concept and then how you've expanded. Because 
not all restaurants expand. No, we, you know, we, we, you know, we had a lot of interest after we had about three or four locations and people say, Hey, can I open one? Can I open one? Can you come to my location? Can you come to my area? So, so wait, I'm going to stop you there. So when you opened three or four locations, were you staying in the general area or were you looking to roll it out and expand like a sweet cream or a cava or something like that? Right. Well, we were in the Charlotte market and we had a, a stores in the Charlotte market and we were looking to expand within the Charlotte market and into places that were, that were connectors like a Georgia or a Virginia, et cetera. And we found an amazing person to run the uh, um, Ashburn store and Reston Virginia store. And that's how we kind of got out there to um, out to where you guys are locally. But Ashburn and, and those are company owned stores still, correct? Those are, those are franchised. Oh, those are, are franchised. Yeah. Fan, so fantastic franchise. For people who aren't, don't know, understand the business model. What's the difference between doing a franchise versus between you guys just having sole ownership? Like what's the, why'd you go the other way? Well, when you want to expand, you only have so much resources. If you want to go and open 30 locations, it's very hard to do that by yourself. Mm -hmm. And it would take you a long time to do it. So it was the marriage of two things. A lot of people wanting to open up a concept, hence franchise or in licensing, and mm -hmm. us wanting to expand w w outside of our uh, specific region. So you give people the opportunity to do what you're doing on a daily basis. You give them the, the tools and you give them the playbook to what's made you successful to do it somewhere else. And how that is something handle, I think for me, like the thing about franchises is how do you handle that quality control, right? Like you have this well, really unique concept with, because you're only breakfast and lunch, right? Right. That's it. Seven so you have every a day. really unique concept. So how do you handle that across the board? You have to be on top of it. You have to be visiting stores. You have to have great training. You have to have people in touch with the franchisee and giving them a lot of support, making sure their, their needs are met, making sure the quality is there. You, could, you also can do, and, and we do um, things like secret shoppers so that we know a, a normal person just goes in and checks, all the, checks everything off the list that they need. Bathrooms clean, were they served correctly? Was the food hot? Did it come out what they ordered? There's lots of checks and balances you have to do um, because it isn't your store. It's a franchisor. It is a franchise location. It is the franchisee store, but you, your job and your fiduciary responsibility is to support them. Well, they represent the brand that you're pushing across, you know, across the marketplace. Most people don't know if it's a franchisee or a company-owned store. But my question is really goes back to the start because we have some uh, secondary experience with great, great concepts that wanted to franchise and they could not figure it out. Did you get somebody with you? that had franchising experience for how to kick that off? Or did you sure. guys just nail it? Well, no, you learn, you, you learn a lot of things the hard way in a lot of businesses, right? I would love to say that it all went perfectly. Um, but we did hire experts and we hired consultants, which really made a huge difference, having great franchise attorneys, having really good consultants, and making sure you had access to people that have done this before. Franchising is hard, takes a lot of work. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of tentacles. Um, but we were you know, fairly lucky in making sure we gave as much support as we possibly could because that's the name of the game. Right. You know, it's support and execution. If you can't execute in the store and you can't support the store to execute, then you don't have right. a business. So it's very let's, simple. Let's talk about quickly sort of the menu and how you guys handled, because, because you're in so many different locations, handling the pandemic in different places requires different things, right? Mm -hmm. 
So when the pandemic happened, we made our menu smaller. You know, we do have made-to-order stuff, so we don't have stuff sitting in a freezer. We don't have freezers. We don't have fryers. So we made it smaller, made it easier to execute. Well, you already have a, a fairly, um, I wouldn't say, we don't have a large menu. You have a smaller menu, about 51 items, and we shrunk it down to make it easy to execute during all this going on. Cross, mm-hmm. you know, kind of cross-collateralization of all your, 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 your food, making sure that you're sticking within what's in the kitchen already. If you have 41 items, try to get it down to 23 items so you don't have to keep ordering more and more stuff, especially in the beginning when you were only doing takeout. Takeout was a little difficult when people order a runny egg. It's a little tough. Well, what about sourcing? Because um, if everything is made fresh that day for that day, you've got to have it constantly coming in. Did you run into any supply chain issues when COVID hit? We were pretty lucky. We, 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 we have a, a really good um, company that we work with that was there for us and had everything. And if there wasn't something, we already have backup. So if we use, you know, we use thick cut black label home rail bacon. If that's not there, we already know what the next one's going to be just in case they can't get there. So we were, we were very lucky. We had a couple of things here and there, you know, but nothing, you know, sanitizers. That, that's what was hard to get. Cleaning material. That's what was hard to get. But we yeah, were lucky but, in that, in that, in that uh, regard. So now what can we look for with Famous Toastery going forward? Where, where will you be? What are you looking to do? We have about a minute yeah. left. Yeah, we are expanding um, into even more into the Virginia market. It's been a great market for us. Ever since the pandemic kind of like opened up a bit and things are getting open, we've had an enormous amount of people come out to us and ask, uh, you know, for franchising if they could open more stores. A lot of stores are now where they are or where they were before the pandemic. So, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of people coming out. We're very bullish for 2021. We think this is, there's no time like 2021 to actually grow. So what does a franchise cost? Well, the franchise fee is $40,000 and a a restaurant can cost from brand new anywhere from 600,000 and up. But I will tell you, we're not looking for anybody to build brand new locations with the enormous amount of second generation locations out there. Our focus is going to be strictly second generation only. And I think you're going to have a lot. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Well, you're already on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies. So now you'll be on the Inc. 500 list of fastest growing companies. Well, that's, that's, that's the goal. Our, our goal is, you know, the truth is we, those lists are great. We're, we're so much more focused on just being a good franchisor, being profitable, and making sure that our franchisees are taken care of. Um, that's, our main, that's our main gig. And that's our focus for 21, straight up, hardcore uh, franchising. Robert, thank you so much for joining us this morning. This was really fascinating. Just tell everybody where they can find out where their local uh, famous toastery is. What's the best place to go to? Well, if you're in the area, you have Ashburn and Reston. Those are the two that are in there. And we have some more coming. So stay tuned for that. We'll be able to, uh, you know, on famoustoastery.com, you will see some more very, very soon. Excellent. Thank you, Robert. Thanks so much for joining us. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We're going to go Fight Club. Just a sec. We'll be back. (laughs) All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, earlier in the show, I, I reminded you of the great movie Fight Club. Well, now there's a restaurant with a, a men- and a, with a menu of the same name and food packing a similar kind of punch. It's Fight Club, and chef owner Andrew Market and Mackenzie Conway are with us right now. Chef Andrew's uh, uh, an, an old friend of the show, mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he is pivoting with COVID to make things work. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. How are you all? Great. Thanks Great. so much for joining us this morning. So, okay, Bukert Saloon, pandemic happened. What'd you do? 
Uh, we didn't really skip a beat. We jumped right into doing uh, takeout as fast as we could. Um, in the beginning, we were close Sundays and Mondays. We were doing five days a week with uh, kind of the current menu and kind of slowly adapting it as we went along, mm-hmm. seeing what was selling, um, seeing what people were looking for. Um, and so we went from there into um, more family-style food after that. Mm-hmm. And then what happened next? So, because you're on, Bukertz is on vacation, so to speak. What made you decide to change the concept for right, right now? Uh, well, we were looking at the numbers and kind of um, our cost analysis of what the future was holding with what our current um, format was doing, trying to do outside dining only with service and um, somewhat of the same style of food that Bukert's was, but a little bit more simple. Um, and the numbers just didn't seem to add up unless we were able to add substantial amount of seating inside, um, which with the size of the restaurant, we just weren't capable of doing. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel safe with, with the way that the restaurant is designed. So narrow, um, very close quarters for the air circulation with the pandemic. Um, yeah, so we- I mean, I just, if people haven't been to Bukert's, what they should realize is it's on Capitol Hill and it's, you know, it's like. It's like a throwback, do you know what I mean? To a restaurant in DC and, you know, a small space and people are packed in. I mean, there's so much beauty to what you guys are doing there, but unfortunately it just doesn't jive with- Well, you can't have the buzz now. With what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, a substantial amount of our seating is side by side in front of the kitchen or at the bar. And that's really where a lot of our regulars love to dine and experience watching the kitchen, hanging out with Mackenzie while he mixes the drinks. Um, so when we looked at all that, we just kind of decided it would be best if we could, um, pivot to something that was a little bit more, um, less overhead, more sustainable. And, and honestly, with the way that the sales were going for the restaurant, we were mostly selling burgers, sandwiches, and fries every day. Those were our top three really sellers. yummy right now. I have yeah. to be honest, I'm starving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, we made the decision to pivot into this new concept and, um, so far so good. It's, this is our fourth week now, I want to say. Okay, so since nobody on air knows what we're talking about, what is the new concept? So uh, about a year ago, uh, we started working on Fight Club, um, which is a kind of off-cuff sandwich restaurant, um, and Punch Garden was the concept. Uh, Originally, we wanted to put it next door. Um, That space got uh, uh, snatched up. So then we've been kind of looking around at other spaces since then, but then, boom, pandemic hit. So we figured now was a good time to kind of uh, bring it to life and see how it would run. Give it a little like um, concept test. So um, what's the concept? How does it work? And why is it called Fight Club? Sure. So so it's uh, sandwiches and punches. So we figured fight for punches and then club, club sandwiches. So it was a little punny on our end. Um, punny. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're so the funniest. <laughs> Uh, so we took the idea of a traditional sandwich shop and kind of uh, flipped it on our flipped it on its head. Um, as Mackenzie started calling it, it's uh, off center and on point um, sandwiches. So we I took, mean, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Tell us, Mackenzie. What are you talking? Wait, about? wait. What does it mean, Mackenzie? Mackenzie, what does it mean when you're straight? That's what I want to know. <laughs> no. Well, that's probably one of the only things I know. But all is like it's. Oh, and even Andrew's food prior prior to the sandwich concept was always uh, like a list of ingredients that I was unfamiliar and unsure about. But as soon as I would take a bite, it was actually very familiar. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to put together flavor combinations that I think are, are actually almost nostalgic for me. And I think a lot of the sandwiches fit that bill. 
Um, so give us an example. Like, what are some of these sandwiches? Like, Andrew, how are you playing with traditional concepts and, and chefing them up a bit? Sure. So uh, I think one of my favorite ones, uh, two of my favorite ones, I guess, uh, we have a ham and mustard sandwich. Um, so instead of doing just ham and like a Dijon mustard, we do braised mustard greens uh, with Benton's ham, a uh, little cheddar cheese on rye and some onion fondue. So it's not your traditional ham and mustard on rye. It's wow. mustard on rye. I'll take two. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my other favorite one we have is called a tonado melt. So it's kind of a twist on a tuna melt. But instead of like a tuna salad, uh, we use tonado sauce. So it's like a pureed uh, tuna and mayonnaise uh, with roasted pork, pickles, bacon, and American cheese. So twist in the <laughs> melt and tuna melt to create this kind of new um, sandwich that's kind of never been done, I think. And so, I mean, they sound delicious. Thank and um, tell us about the punches that you're making to complement these sandwiches. Uh, <clears throat> most of these punches are either classic cocktails that kind of would fit into a bottle format. So something with some existing effervescence, think like an Aperol spritz or an Americano, um, recarbonating those and bottling them. So there's the thing I've been saying about an Aperol spritz is like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I just know that a bottled Coke tastes better than a can of Coke and a mm -hmm. can of Coke tastes better than a plastic bottle of Coke. And there's right. something about a classically effervescent drink out of a 12 ounce bottle. That's just like, it, it just it, somehow the medium like makes it taste better, that kind of overwhelming sensation. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the cocktails, whether they're sparkling or not, are off menu items that, you know, we had been repping out for years at Bucharest. When someone wanted something off menu and they'd ask, you know, what you want to drink, I love them. We do a Mezcal Hemingway daiquiri that we call Diego Rivera um, that we've been making for years, uh, or a classic Jungle Bird. Um, both of those are. Both those are like classic drinks. I mean, Jungle Bird's like 1970s Marriott hotel drink from Malaysia. Right. Like even, you know, it's become a modern classic. And, but when people go like, what do you, what do you want to drink? It's while well, we have fun doing uh, expressive new things, like nine out of 10 times, it's, it's that. That's, that's what the bartender wants to drink. They're classics for a reason. Right. And so how are you packaging these? And how are people able to sort of get in on the Fight Club offering? Um, in terms of packaging, we're doing, uh, we're force carbonating and then using liquid nitrogen to create an oxygen free environment in the bottle to maintain carbonation. Doing that force carbon sealing. So it's essentially in a 12 ounce twist off bottle. So some of these cocktails are hidden hard, right? So they're like doing, some of them are like 1.5 cocktails in a bag. Like some of them, I'm a big guy and a big drinker, and uh, some of them will put. I mean, well, then you're in the right business. That's yeah. all I have to say. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they can, you know, in terms of getting access to it, you can come in, you know, come in off the street, order from the counter. You can order online at fightclubdc.com. If you don't want to leave your house and you want to enjoy some punch and sandwiches from home, you can, you know, we're on Grubhub, Caviar, and DoorDash as well in terms of like okay. getting access to it. And so for both of you, what are we looking for over like the next month or two? Like, what do you, we can't predict the future. Every day is a new story, but what are, what are, you, what are you guys planning for? We have about two minutes left. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to continue with Fight Club and try and adapt it and, and introduce some new sandwiches as it goes along um, and then just see kind of what happens with the pandemic and, and what feels safe. And 
as well, we're going to start to try and prepare for fall and winter by um, enclosing some outdoor spaces, adding some heaters. Um, and then when we feel safe to reopen Bukert's, we will. And we'll, and the plan is to move Fight Club to its own um, uh, brick and mortar and really bring it to life with its full kind of um, design, interior design, as well as uh, the sandwiches Great. and punches that we've kind of um, introduced. So is Fight Club online now? I mean, if I want to order, I can yes. find menus and all that up there. And Yeah, so we're open uh, seven days a week, 11 to 9 p.m., um, slanging sandwiches and punches. Excellent. All right. Tell us where we can find all that information. Sure, it's at fightclubdc.com. Okay, great. Thank you guys so much. It's so good to see you. You too. Wish you the best. We hope to come in or see you or order or something. Yeah, please. I know I miss running into everybody at all of the uh, fundraising events we do. I know. it's um, We miss everyone too. It's hard. I'll be the guy in the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All right. Take care. So thank you all for joining us on Foodie and the Beast. Um, this was an amazing show. We talked to some incredible people. As always, go to the thelistareyouonit.com. If you're looking for the calendar of events, there are things happening. Now, there are some things that are virtual. There are some things that are in person. But everybody is doing their best to keep you and their staff safe. So always wear a mask. Always have hand sanitizer. And always be thoughtful uh, when you're going out and about. We also have a list of every opening that has happened in the last month. And also, there are restaurants that are coming soon. So check that out on the site as well. And let's see, what else do I have? And vote. All right, so we will not be here uh, next week. Those of you who celebrate the Jewish holidays, we wish you an early Shana Tova and uh, have a delicious week. Mm -hmm.